we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus appeased God's anger for our sins by his death on the cross. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is put away. Please stand. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord God, you saved the first Israelites through the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts. We adore you, Lord Jesus, in your cross and passion, through which you have brought life and joy into the world through your suffering and death. Be gracious to us according to your mercy and bless us. Shine the light of your face on us and give us your peace. Gracious Jesus, our Lord and our God, you bore our sins in your own body on the cross so that we, being dead to sin, might live for righteousness. Have mercy on us now and at the hour of our death, for we are unworthy to be called your children due to our sinful actions and words. Mercifully give us a holy and peaceful life in this world and eternal glory in the life to come where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and rule, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God, has taken away the sins of the world. Therefore, by the command of Christ, I announce the grace of God to all of you. Your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated.
Almighty God, graciously behold this, your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and delivered into the hands of sinful men to suffer death upon the cross. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord's power been revealed? He grew up in his presence like a young tree, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that would make us look at him. He had nothing in his appearance that would make us desire him. He was despised and rejected by people. He was a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. He was despised like one from whom people turned their faces and we didn't consider him to be worth anything. He certainly has taken upon himself our suffering and carried our sorrows. But we thought that God had wounded him, beat him, and punished him. He was wounded for our rebellious acts. He was crushed for our sins. He was punished so that we could have peace and we received healing from his wounds. We have all strayed like sheep. Each one of us has turned to go his own way and the Lord has laid all our sins on him. He was abused and punished, but he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was like a sheep that is silent when its wool is cut off. He didn't open his mouth. He was arrested, taken away and judged. Who would have thought that he would be removed from the world? He was killed because of my people's rebellion. He was placed in a tomb with the wicked. He was put there with the rich when he died, although he had done nothing violent and had never spoken a lie. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him with suffering. When the Lord has made his life a sacrifice for our wrongdoings, he will see his descendants for many days. The will of the Lord will succeed through him. He will see and be satisfied because of his suffering. My righteous servant will acquit many people because of what he has learned through suffering. 
he will carry their sins as a burden. So I will give him a share among the mighty, and he will divide the prize with the strong, because he poured out his life in death, and he was counted with sinners. He carried the sins of many. He intercedes for those who are rebellious. This is the word of the Lord. portion of Hebrews 4 and 5. We need to hold on to our declaration of faith. We have a superior chief priest who has gone through the heavens. That person is Jesus, the Son of God. We have a chief priest who was able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he didn't sin. So we can go confidently to the throne of God's kindness to receive mercy and find kindness which will help us at the right time. During his life on earth, Jesus prayed to God who could save him from death. He prayed and pleaded with loud crying and tears, and he was heard because of his devotion to God. Although Jesus was the Son of God, he learned to be obedient through his sufferings. After he had finished his work, he became the source of eternal salvation for everyone who believes. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. Portion of Matthew 27. Jesus stood in front of the governor, Pilate. The governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, I am, Jesus answered. While the chief priests and leaders were accusing him, he said nothing. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear how many charges they're bringing against you? But Jesus said absolutely nothing to him in reply, so the governor was very surprised. At every Passover festival, the governor would free one prisoner whom the crowd wanted. At that time, there was a well-known prisoner by the name of Barabbas. So when the people gathered, Pilate asked them, which man do you want me to free for you? Do you want me to free Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? Pilate knew that they handed Jesus over to him because they were jealous. While Pilate was judging the case, his wife sent him a message. It said, leave that innocent man alone. I've been very upset today because of a dream I had about him. But the chief priests and leaders persuaded the crowd to ask for the release of Barabbas and the execution of Jesus. 
the governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to free for you? Barabbas. Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Crucify him. Pilate saw that he was not getting anywhere. Instead, a riot was breaking out. So Pilate took some water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. He said, I am innocent of this man's blood. He said, it is your responsibility. His blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Here ends the gospel. Please be seated.
Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Roman crucifixion was a most horrible form of execution. First of all, it was the most degrading type of capital punishment which was known to the world at Jesus' time. It was a death sentence reserved only for the worst type of criminals, usually traitors to the Roman government. And yet our Holy Savior humbled himself so much for us that he was willing to suffer death, even death on a cross, numbered with the criminals. Aside from being a degrading form of execution, it also involved excruciating pain as nails were driven through the hands and the feet. Yet as dreadful as this death sentence was, our Savior didn't fight the Roman soldiers. Rather, he willingly submitted to his death. Jesus also did not curse his crucifiers. Rather, he said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And how true it was, certainly, if these people would have known that he was the Son of God, they would not have crucified him. And yet Jesus asks his heavenly Father to forgive this act of violence, done to him out of sinful ignorance. These words are meant for us, too, that we be forgiven, because many times we sin knowingly, and many times we sin unknowingly, and many times we don't even know the difference between the two. Yet for all of our sins, Jesus pleads to his heavenly Father that our sins be sent away and not counted against us. For sinners, for unworthy sinners, Jesus laid down his life that we might be forgiven all sins, known and unknown. Thank God that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin.
I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. These were the words of divine comfort offered by our dying Savior to one of the criminals on the cross. With those words, Jesus offered a promise of forgiveness and a promise of eternal life. Previous to these words, Luke tells us in his gospel, and when they came to the place which is called the skull, there they crucified him, along with criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. True to the ancient prophecy of Isaiah, which you heard read before, Jesus was now numbered with criminals. The innocent one crucified with the guilty. As our innocent Savior hung there on the cross between these two guilty criminals, one of them began to mock him and say, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. The only thing that man was worried about was his present state of affairs, his earthly life, the pain he was suffering. But the man crucified on the other side of Jesus realized what his real problem was. His real problem was sin. He was so overburdened with sin and guilt that he called out to Jesus for help. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What was Jesus' answer? A refusal to be bothered by such scum as that man? Was Jesus too busy concerning himself with his own death? Rather, Jesus responded and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. You see, it's never too late to repent of your sins, and there is no sin that is too great but that it is forgiven through Jesus Christ. But also we must be warned. Our lives cannot be lives of impenitence. Your life cannot be built on the false idea that you can do anything that you want because you can always repent at the last moment. Such an idea would be tempting God. God always tells us, go and sin no more. Go and live a life of repentance, trusting in me, depending upon me, and when you die, then also you will hear the words, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise.
He said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. If you've ever visited a friend or relative in the hospital that is uh, experiencing excruciating pain, one of the first reactions that you might receive is that they just want to be left alone because they can't think of anything else. Even now, when our Savior was suffering the agony of the cross, he does not forget about others. From the cross, he sees his sorrowing mother shivering in the cold. He is concerned for her welfare, and so he appoints his disciple John to care for her in the future. With that act of love from the cross, Jesus once again perfectly fulfilled the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. May we also be moved to honor our parents, to pray for them, to remember them if they are already home in heaven, to remember how they cared for us, clothed us, fed us, and for many of us, it was by their words and actions that we learned of the Savior. May we care for them as Jesus cared for his mother.
later, knowing that all was now completed. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Water deprivation, dehydration can produce excruciating pain. Because Jesus was also human, in his great pain at his crucifixion, he was thirsty. Now, as trifle as this may seem, these words proved once again that Jesus was the true Messiah. When Jesus spoke these words, he was fulfilling a prophecy made perhaps a thousand years before. Psalm 22, the psalmist wrote, My strength is dried up like pieces of broken pottery. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Because Jesus was thirsty on the cross, we shall never be thirsty. As Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Thank God that through the suffering and death of his Son, our Savior, that we have this everlasting water, the good news of forgiveness, salvation by the blood of the Lamb. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As our Savior hung on the cross between the hours of noon and three in the afternoon, darkness covered the whole earth. But as there was darkness in the heaven, there was a deep darkness in the soul of our Savior. As Jesus hung from the cross, he shouted out the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus had reached the lowest stage of his humiliation. He had been forsaken by God. Mystery of mysteries. How can God be forsaken by God? How can God forsake himself? It's a fact that stands way beyond all human understanding. Our Lord encourages us, don't try to understand it. Merely believe it. Merely accept the fact that God the Father made his son to suffer the bruising, crushing force of his holy, consuming wrath. Merely accept the fact that Jesus Christ, your Savior, suffered the pangs of hell and true death and was taken, forsaken by his Father. Why did Jesus have to suffer so? Did he deserve it? He didn't deserve it. We did. We deserved the punishment of hell, and yet God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that by his blood we might be washed clean of all sins. He suffered for us so that we would never be forsaken by God. God tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's interesting to note that the words that Jesus spoke on the cross were from Psalm 22. And as he used these prayer, these words, he was using a prayer to his heavenly Father. He encourages us also to use Scripture in our distress. And as our Savior hung on the cross, he never gave up his trust in his heavenly Father. And so in all of our distresses, we never need to despair either. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls.
it is finished. It is finished. What do these words mean? Notice that Jesus did not say, I am finished. Jesus was not saying that he was being overcome by death and the devil. Jesus said, it is finished. Death and hell and Satan himself were overcome by Jesus. The work of redemption was finished, complete. Jesus had finished his work of making us at one with God. Our at-one-ment, our atonement was complete. Jesus had fulfilled all of God's law in our place, and he died in our place. And now God's wrath had been appeased. When Jesus spoke these words, these were not words of a defeated one. These were the words of a victor. This was a victory cry. Jesus was telling the world that even though his heel had been struck by the bite of that serpent Satan, Satan's head had now been crushed. Now we need no longer fear the enemy called death because death can no longer defeat us. Now we need no longer fear the enemy called Satan. His power has been crushed. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him.
Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. <clears throat> Jesus' death on the cross was a real death, a true and genuine death. Just like the death of many of our forefathers of faith, Jesus' soul separated itself from his body. His soul went to his heavenly Father. His body would be placed into a tomb. And yet even though Jesus' death was the same as ours will be someday, yet his was vastly different. When we die, God will determine the date and the time of our death, and he will take our souls from us to himself in heaven. When Jesus died, he determined the time of his death. His soul was not taken from him, rather he gave it up willingly to his heavenly Father. Jesus' death was a peaceful death. He died assured that the sins of the world had been paid for by him. He died knowing that again he was at one with his Father. When the time comes for God to call us to himself in heaven, may we die as our Lord Jesus did, knowing that all is right between us and our God. Our sins have been removed. We will stand before God as pure and holy and righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Walking on the road to Jerusalem, the time had come to sacrifice again. My two small sons, they walk beside me on the road. The reason that they came was to watch the Then I heard 
the crowd cry out, Crucify Him! We tried to leave the city, but we could not get away. Forced to play in this drama, a part I did not wish to day were men condemned to die why were we standing here where soon they would pass by I looked and said even now they come the first one cried for mercy He was arrogant and loud I still can hear his angry voice Screaming at the crowd Then someone said, there's Jesus I scarce believe my eyes A man so badly beaten he barely looked alive Blood poured from his body From the thorns upon his brow Running down the cross And falling to the ground I watched him as he struggled I watched him as he fell came down upon his back the crowd began to yell in that moment I felt such agony in that moment I felt such loss till a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed you carry his to resist him then his hand reached for his sword so I knelt and took the cross from the Lord I placed it on my shoulder and started down the street the blood that he'd been shedding was running down my cheek they led us to Golgotha. They drove nails deep in his feet and hands. And yet upon the cross I heard him pray, Father, forgive them. Oh, never have I seen such love in any other eyes into thy hands I commit my spirit he prayed and then he died I stood for what seemed like years 
I'd lost all sense of time Till I felt two tiny hands Holding tight to mine My children stood there weeping I heard the oldest say Father, please forgive us the lamb ran away Daddy, Daddy what have we seen here there's so much that we don't understand so I took them in my arms we turned and faced the cross and then I said dear children watch